Do you want to go down to a 40-hour week without losing revenue? If you're ready to let go of all the extra hours, the stress, the overwhelm, and the clients who hijack your time, consider my signature program, Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind. In it, we'll get your accounting practice under control. We'll fix your pricing problems. I'll show you ways to price so you stop giving away the farm so you bring in more revenue for the work you're already doing. I'll help you disengage the clients who are good people but are holding your business back and slowing you down. I'll help you package up your services and design them so they're easy for your clients to understand and choose from while helping you simplify and standardize what you sell. And we'll focus on making your messaging more interesting and compelling so you attract more of the kinds of clients you want to work with and break out of the hodgepodge of referrals trap. We get your prices up, we get your workload down. We standardize, we simplify, we streamline. And we do this at a pace that feels doable, where you feel confident in every choice you make. Prices up, workload down. Registration is open now. We start Tuesday, May 7th. Come with us. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to find out more. I know that I can do all of the things now because I've practiced thinking through what all of those different things would look like. I don't feel trapped. I feel very free that I can do whatever I want. Welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help overworked CPAs go down to 40 hours without giving up revenue. My name is Geraldine Carter. My guest today is Rebecca Driscoll. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to have you. So for listeners who haven't ever heard of your name, give us briefly who you are, where you are, what you do. Sure. My name is Rebecca Driscoll. I'm a CPA living in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I own a small um, CPA firm called uh, Conscious Accounting, and I have two full-time employees and a contractor, and we are fully virtual. That's about it. How long has your shingle been hanging? I started in 2016 alone while working full-time still at a larger firm um, and doing bookkeeping only. And then in 2020, I hired my first employee. And about how many clients do you have roughly? About 230, I would say. Okay. And what's the makeup? Like, what's the mix? maybe like 45 monthly bookkeeping clients. And then we do their tax returns as well. And then the rest are mostly S-corps and and individual tax returns. So we're talking today because you reached out last November, December-ish, about six, eight months ago. And you were like, can we talk I have some big changes coming in my life and I want to know what my options are for navigating these changes and I don't think I can figure it out on my own. So for listeners, Rebecca and I have been working together one-on-one for since that time-ish and trying to figure out what is the path. So Rebecca, just so that people can hear it in your words, how would you describe where you were around that time? Like what was going through your head, what was happening in your day-to-day and so on? Yeah. So I had at the time a one-year-old and I had recently found out I was pregnant with number two. I was having a hard time running the business with a one-year-old. So I could only imagine how much harder it was about to get to have two under two. And I was just at a point 
where I didn't want to give up either thing. I, I really wanted to be a more active role in my kids' lives instead of just, you know, putting them in childcare full time. But I also really wanted to continue to be successful with my business. So I had been exploring all these different scenarios of what I could do with the business and trying to answer big questions in my head of do I, or maybe I don't want the business. Maybe I don't, you know, maybe I do want full-time childcare. Maybe I don't. So it was just sort of like, I, I wanted to hold space for each scenario and allow myself to try each one on, but I didn't really know where to go from there. And I had a strong feeling that there was probably just some inefficiencies in the business that if we could just streamline and fix that maybe there was a way I could have it all. So I needed you to come in and and help me. <laughs> awesome. And so for the listener, what we're trying to figure out here, right, is the story of like, what did we do so that Rebecca could have both things, a business and a personal life, especially given that number two was on the way. And it, like, what does it look like to navigate these big decisions that are coming? And what are the changes that you make in your business? And how do you know if they're the right decisions? And that's been the journey that we've been walking together for the last period of time. So when you started out, what were you wondering? Like, is it this or is it that? Is it technology? Do I need to be more efficient? Is it my workflows? Is it my systems? Is it my pricing? Is it my niche or lack thereof? Is it my clients? Is it my staff? Is it my way? Like, what was running through your head as as to what the possible problems might be? I thought pricing and lack of niche were the two culprits that I really wanted to work through with you. So that would be an easy fix, right? Just pricing is a pretty straightforward fix. Yep. Um, niche is a little bit. I thought you'd just tell me what the prices should be, <laughs> what the niche should be, and we'd be done. <laughs> and, and is that what happened? No. <laughs> there were, if I asked a specific question, you did answer it for me, but it ended up being so much more than that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So what did you find that it was more than just pricing? Like what else was it in addition to pricing and niche? It was also, you encouraged me to do some soul searching on what I, what kind of life I actually wanted, what kind of lifestyle I wanted, um, what parts of the business did I like doing and the things that I didn't like doing and how do I want to feel each day and things like that, that are just not metrics that I would ever think to, to analyze, you know, they're not like more feelings, um, and that that's where the answers ended up being not just change your pricing and get a niche so interesting the answers ended up being in the soul searchy feeling like how do i want to feel every day when i go to work mm -hmm. so i think some listeners might be like huh you mean you just decided how you wanted to feel every day when you went to work and then you backed into your pricing from there? <laughs> well, you don't see the direct connection there. <laughs> for, yeah, for people who are listening, connect the dots. Like how did, first of all, deciding what you wanted to feel, like what did you even decide what you wanted to feel every day when you showed up at work? And like, how did you back into designing your business from that place? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I kind of decided that I wanted to feel calmness, like calm and feel that wherever I am, whether it's with my kids or at my laptop, there's nowhere else that I should be in that moment. Because I was constantly feeling like if I was at the playground, I should be at my laptop. And if I'm at my laptop, I really should be at the playground. 
that was the the end goal. So then I, working backwards from there, what needs to be, what boundaries and structure and processes need to be set up so that when I'm at either of those places, I feel like that's exactly, like my business is designed in such a way that this is exactly where I need to be right now. And there's nowhere else, no one else needs me. Everything is running smoothly. No one else needs me. (laughs) That is so good. And everything's running smoothly. And when I'm at work, I'm at work and it's all good and my kids are fine. And when I'm with my kids at the playground, it's all good and my work is fine. Yeah, and, and the being at work and the kids are fine, that one is also like, I like what I'm doing, so I'm not resentful and bitter that I'm paying someone else to watch my kid instead of me getting to be with my kid and I'm just doing something that I don't even want to be doing. Like I, I wanted to get to the point where me choosing my laptop over my kid felt worth it to me. Love it. You know? So how did you get from there to like, okay, if this is the situation that I want, my, you know, present when I'm with my kids, knowing that things are taken care of, present with my work and enjoying it when I'm at work and at my laptop, what decisions fell out of that? Or what did knowing that help you see or decide? Yeah. So we started by choosing a niche together and then talking about you know, how to get from point A to point B of kind of not having this niche to then having the niche and what, you know, communicating with the existing clients I had that were already in that niche and getting their feedback and building out, you know, service packages, like based on their feedback and pricing and all of that. And, you know, on tax Twitter, I started sharing my journey that, okay, I'm, I'm, we've, we've picked a niche. We're going to work with online coaches. This is so exciting. But then it wasn't like the online coaches all just lined up, you know, to work with me. And the reason why we really wanted to do a niche was because I felt like if I'm going to step back more and let the team run things, I don't want them to always have to reinvent the wheel for every proposal and every chart of accounts and everything. I want them to be able to build knowledge from each of our clients that makes them experts in a field so that they can, you know, use that data to benchmark and help our clients more and not just be jumping around and doing all these one-off things for different industries and us just saying yes to every project and everything. So I just felt like this will streamline things in a way that will allow me to step back more. And then when I, I, had, you know, everything ready to go, but, but there weren't just like customers just coming in, you know, like they, it became clear that I would need to do a lot of content creation and put myself out there in the online coach communities to, you know, get to know these people. And it wasn't going to be something that would happen overnight. And my clock was ticking of, yes, but my due date is July 5th. So it has to happen overnight because I have to get all these new clients that are within the niche. I have to train my employees on how to do this niche. And then I have to get rid of all my other clients so that we have a simple streamlined business with less clients, but more money. And this has to happen before my due date or else I'm going to lose the business, (laughs) you know? So um, that was sort of the next steps that, that we took on our journey. But the nice thing about working with you is that we had time in between each session. So that time is when things really sunk in. And I really like had to tease out like how I felt about, you know, what we were doing and, and what would need to happen. And 
I realized that I'm just not in a place right now with, you know, getting ready for baby number two to be like aggressively putting content out there and, and putting myself out there. It just wasn't something that felt exciting to me. So that was, so it was like so important to go down that path though, to see like, okay, this is probably a good idea to have a niche and online coaches probably make sense for me, uh, given my, you know, situation, my, my business, my, our dynamic, our demographic, everything, but it might not be the right time for me to do this. So then, then it was like, okay, well then what do we do instead? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So transforming your entire business and turning it inside out in a 32 week time window seemed like a tall order <laughs> with a lot of pressure behind it. Yeah. I think you and I both saw that once we, once we kind of got into it, we were like, oh, this is. Yeah. And it was tax season. Yeah. And it was tax season. Right. It was like, this is, this is really nice in theory, but not right now. So when you, when we kind of saw that, like, ooh, and you, you know, you saw it especially and felt it. Where did you go from there? Because sometimes like we can, when we're trying to figure out our businesses, you run into something that feels like a dead end. And it's easy to just stare at the dead end sign instead of be like, it's a cool, it's cool. I'm just going to turn around, walk back a little bit, and then we'll find the next path. So uh, what was that like? Just like you said, my next step was cool. Let's sell the business and retire at 34. Um, because the niche thing isn't going to work. So I guess I should give up and tell my employees to find new jobs and ask all my colleagues, how do you sell a business? And yeah, that's, that's, that's what I guess I'll do, which sounds silly now, but I'm really glad that I actually let myself go down that path as well. And that you and I got to share our true feelings about what it's like to be moms and that's a job itself and, and have careers. And I wanted to really be sensitive to the fact that like, I don't ever want to regret that I worked too much while my kids were young and all those things. So it, I'm glad I tried on that idea as well and went down that path and had some meetings to see what it would look like to sell my book of business or, you know, if to have rehome my employees and, and all of those things. I totally don't think that it was a waste of time to seriously consider that because I was able to collect a lot of data of what that process actually would be and try it on to see how it would feel. Yeah. So you tried it on and how did it feel when you tried it on? In some ways, it felt like a relief to just everything's stressful about work. I mean, work is work, even if we love what we do. It felt like really exciting to just be like, I could just walk away from it all and like, just make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and go to the playground like this, this would be so cool. But I, you know, I was, I was really active with a lot of different like kind of networking groups for CPAs and accountants. And uh, one of the ones I'm involved with, with the AICPA, I went to um, like a in-person kind of conference with, with my group. And I just couldn't imagine not being a part of the, of the community. And it's not to say that I couldn't maintain some sort of, you know, presence in the community. And I love the idea of finding ways I can help other firm owners even to stay in the community. But I felt this drive inside me of like, I'm not done yet with kind of molding and perfecting my business. I'm, I, my story isn't over. Like, I don't really feel like I can start coaching firm owners and telling them how to 
how to do it all when I, when I like, I'm not, I know what I want to do and I just haven't done it yet. So I'd like to like, I'm not ready yet. It is kind of what it came down to. And it just, this, this asset that I've built, I, I do want to hold on to it for, you know, my kids are going to grow up. It's going to be a blip of time. They're going to go to school. And I just, it didn't feel like it was time to just say goodbye to all of that. And I like making my own money too. So I, you know, I, I didn't want to put any like financial pressure on our family, which probably would have been fine, but I just, this is part of my identity. And I guess I just wasn't ready to give that piece up, but I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't seriously considered doing it. Oh, uh, Right. Like you had to walk down to the end of the dead end trail in order to know for sure yes. that that wasn't the trail that you actually wanted to be on. Yep. So good. So often we think like, you know, not sure which way to go and we have five possible options and we kind of just, instead of exploring them because it might be the wrong trail, we just spin in a circle and try and gather more information from Google and books and other things instead of actually walking and seeing what's down there at the end to see if the trail actually connects up or, or not. So two trails that you went down that you were like, oops, this isn't, turns out it's not this one either. <laughs> then what? Well, <laughs> I think I found out through working with you that boundaries and rules are basically a great first step to, you know, getting control back of your business. And I would bring proposals to you or I'd scenarios with an, with a client to you and you would help me see our value as accountants and how like preposterous a lot of these ideas in our head of how little we should charge or, you know, that we, we should be all things to all clients and, you know, all these things I start, it started like, I've started getting some pattern recognition of, okay, like even if I don't niche right now or sell the business right now, if I just started having boundaries with clients and having boundaries with new leads coming in, that I think would be enough to streamline this. I think our, we're really strong with tech we're really automated. We like all of those things are really good for us. Uh, it was more just interacting with clients and saying yes to things that we didn't want to say yes to and charging prices that we didn't believe in, but we felt like, you know, this is the best we can do it. Like they can't afford more, you know, things like that. So creating structure around, we, we talked a lot, a, a lot about service, offerings and, you know, tiered, tiered pricing and like, okay, we can offer this, but do you even want to do that service? And kind of asking like the questions of like, what, what services do you even really want to be providing and what, what price would they need to be to make sense? And that's sort of like more important than a niche, I think initially, and kind of can turn into a niche because it ends are the way where we arrived with all of that really did weed out a lot of business owners that wouldn't be able to fit that mold. So whether we call it on for, that it's for online coaches or not, our service offerings are really more conducive to their needs than, you know, a restaurant owner's needs. So we're still sort of on that path, but we're not doing any marketing that's specific to an industry. 
but we're asking people to fit our mold now. And if you don't fit that mold, then we can't work with you, but we have great referrals for you. And that's like a boundary thing that I've never felt comfortable doing in the past, but it's so much easier to every lead that comes in to actually know what I'm going to say to them now, instead of like, what, how do we handle this one? What are we going to do now? I know who we are and what we want to be doing and what price we want to be doing it at. Awesome. So going from like a game of Twister where your client spins the dial and they're like, put your left foot in your ear. Yep. Because I want payroll. And you're like, uh, right. And instead you're like, no, you must be this tall to ride this ride. Yeah. And you're not tall enough. So you're not a great client for us, but here's some rides that you can go on. Like here's some names and some numbers. And I think like the scarcity piece of saying yes to the payroll saying yes to every thing is like, well, I have mouths to feed. I have employees and I'm responsible for their livelihood. Like, you know, I think that's why we say yes to a lot of things that we don't want to, but by going down the path of trying on the idea of not having employees, which would mean I would have to have laid them off and let, let them go. That exercise of, of, really facing that, you know, sad thing that would have to happen to, to not be able to pay them a salary anymore kind of made me realize that I shouldn't do things that I don't want to do as a business owner, just so that I can keep my team on payroll. They can handle it. If, if, if I say no to services that I don't want to provide as the firm owner, and that causes our revenue to tank, and now I can't pay them, they're going to be okay. And I'm going to help them find new jobs and they trust me and they know that I'm going to support them and help them. And they don't want me to put their needs before my needs either because we have a good relationship. So getting over that fear of like, well, we have to say yes, because I have to bring in as much revenue as possible because I have to keep paying my employees. That helped me be more brave with the boundaries with new clients as well. I think that's a really common situation is saying yes, because you need the revenue to pay your staff. Mm -hmm. So how did you, what was the mindset shift that got you out of thinking that way? What was the new way that you started thinking about potential revenue? Um, I think, you know, I had the honest conversation with my employees of, hey, I don't know, like, you know, if I'm always going to be able to employ you, I don't know if that, like, if you guys want to look for other jobs or you want me to help you look for other jobs that I want to talk about that and put that on the table now, because I don't want to feel pressured to keep bringing in work that I don't want to be doing just to pay you. And, and they understood that. And so once the elephant in the room kind of had been addressed, it was, it was easier to, to just look at a lead and say, I'm not going to take this lead unless I want conscious accounting to be helping this, this business. And I don't have to feel guilty about that. I think that will resonate for a lot of listeners. So option one was transform your business before the baby comes. Option two was sell altogether. Option three was start in implementing and stealing boundaries which you did. There was also a conversation about simply letting your staff go, kind of what we just touched on, but just take and then just taking all the work in-house yourself. 
was you have to remind me was that the next one in order that we explored or was there something else in between I think I feel like that option is still on the table for me and I've been transparent enough with my team that they know that I might decide that at some point if if it does feel like it's too much to have employees and if I were to decide that I'd keep them on payroll until you know they we could find a better place for them and you know like it, I'll take good care of them and we'll tackle it as a team and they're willing to stay on in the meantime because of you know the relationship we have so that's that's on the table if I ever want that and they feel that that's my right to choose that path if I ever want to so I guess knowing that I could do that I could just select a few clients that feel manageable for me and get rid of all the other overhead and just raise my kids and get a little bit of, you know, income, knowing that that's there as a backup feels really good to me because if things, if it just feels like I'm just operating too at a size that's just too large for me and it's starting to threaten my personal life, you know, I know that I have that option and that it wouldn't be coming out of left field for my team and they are ready to support me and I'm ready to support them if I ever want to make that decision. So it was really good to be like transparent with them, even though it was scary to talk about. Um, and they know that it's not like something that will just happen tomorrow and they'll have no notice. They know it would be a long conversation and, you know, it would be a long-term thing. So like they feel they can trust me and, and I can trust them. So it's kind of a unique, we're, we're a small close knit, you know, group here. So yeah, I guess that the fact that that is still an option if I want it is helpful, but I also really like having people to delegate work to and, and that, and that's been really great. So, you know, taking more time to keep training them and helping them grow, maybe I can keep things as is. Um, and if I did, you know, want to get rid of more of my book of business and simplify things even further, maybe there's an opportunity for them to be able to continue working with those clients in some way. So there's a lot of ways that we can find so that we can all win, you know, the client, the employee and me. Right. That it's not a terrible thing that you can, with open conversations that you can find ways to make it work. Right. For, for everybody. And also knowing that it's not entirely your responsibility to make it work for everybody. Yes. And your team also supports you in it wanting to work for you. They don't want you to be. Right. They also agree that it's not my responsibility, which I didn't realize. I thought that, you know, I didn't think they would be that reasonable about it, you know, like, so it was like kind of a relief that the fear, so I, sometimes I think as firm owners, like the fears we have in our heads about certain things like that won't be okay if we don't just keep carrying all the weight of it like it's not even true it can be really easy in our businesses to take extra care perhaps more care than makes sense of our employees because you know genuinely we care about them but we sometimes take on give ourselves an extra burden that we don't necessarily need to because our employees are fully capable individuals who are capable of managing and handling change especially when, you know, the conversation is transparent and there's enough notice and then all those things. So that can be a huge relief once you've had that conversation. So I want to go to the next one that you explored, 
because and for the listener who's like holy cow like how many <laughs> how many how many dead ends did you explore exactly um there are more so what was what happened next after you kind of you went to tennessee and the aicpa and you know realized you didn't want to sell and then came back and was like, okay, boundaries around who we say yes to and who we bring on as clients and stop just taking on revenue because we need to uh, pay the staff and let's just get more efficient. So then there were some other options that presented themselves. So then what happened? Yeah. So then my husband was like, well, maybe I should join your company. Let, Let me look at your numbers. And we did kind of find that you know, together we, if he joined my team, we could actually probably make more money than we currently make with him working full time. You know, that, that there's a lot to sort out there. Like, you know, do we work well together? Does he have interest in accounting? You know, he's an engineer, like, you know, does he want to not be truly not be an engineer anymore? You know, all of that. So again, we bravely just went down the path of trying it on instead of, just ruling it out that that's ridiculous or just going for it without thinking it through. So I started, um, I gave him a dashboard and started assigning him homework, um, projects. And at night he would, after work, you know, after our son would go to bed, he would do his, his homework. And, you know, I mean, I was having him practice setting up an escort for someone and he was looking into reasonable compensation and getting so passionate about it and, you know, doing bookkeeping and, and all sorts of things and, and really enjoying it. And there would be things where I'd have to teach him or explain to him. And it was nice to try on like, you know, how do I talk to him as my husband and someone I'm training? And, you know, can we, can we converse in a respectful way? Like, well, how will we be with stress? You know, what if there's a, you know, kind of like wanting to like practice all those different scenarios so that we would have enough information to make like an educated decision. Uh, and what we found is that it's, it works really nicely. So, he is much more interested in what's going on with my business on a day-to-day basis now and, and sharing his insights and feelings about, you know, what decisions, you know, if I'm having trouble making a decision, he's like sharing his opinions and helping me make those decisions. So he's starting to feel kind of more ownership in, in his role, you know, as, you know, intern at my, my company. Um, And so we're going to, we're not going to make the decision yet. We're going to wait till the baby comes and give it a little bit more time to, to make that decision. We got a few, you know, all these life changes happening. We want to slow, you know, slow down and really think about it, but that's something that we're still on the path of trying on. And again, I, I know if he said, if he ends up deciding to stay, okay, what does that mean for, you know, revenue employees, client workload and me wanting to be with the kids a lot. And if he decides to come, okay, what does that mean? You know, so we're kind of just narrowing down the scenarios and have sort of like a playbook for what we'll do. So it just kind of feels like we have a plan now, or I have a plan now, instead of just whatever happens with the business, who knows, it's not in my hands. I feel like it is in my hands. Like I, I control what happens to my business now, not my clients, not my employees, not my husband, you know. I love that. I control what happens to my business now. It is such a common 
sentiments. Like I drive the bus now instead of just like letting it be driven around by some unknown force. So you had the conversation with your husband about that and um, got some clarity around whether or not that would be a good match. And if so, when, like what was, what timing made sense about that. And then something interesting happened. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So for the listener, I I mean, I do want to come to the question, is the wandering worth it? But before we answer, but before we go there, the universe always shows up for us. So what happened? Yeah. And I'm kind of one of those people that's like the universe. I don't know. Like I'm an accountant. Yeah. But I do. If I look back at my life, I I feel fortunate that things always have a way of seeming to work out for me. And I hope other people feel that in their lives too. I hope I'm not the only lucky one out there, but I, I do feel like with the big stuff, like things tend to, things always have a way of working themselves out. So I get an email um, from a lawyer colleague of mine introducing me to a potential client who is an online coach. And that's the niche that we're, we're, we were really interested in working with. And the services that they're interested in finding a firm to, to do for them are like the exact kind of packages and things that we actually want to find clients that want these things. So a lot of times when I look at new client inquiries, they just don't, what they want isn't what we want to do. Like we don't want to do a one-off tax return. We don't want to just give you advice one time about something and never talk again. Like we, we want to be full service. We want to be a part of your life on a monthly basis and help you make business decisions, help your business grow and help you make tax decisions and help your, you know, home, your personal life grow, your personal wealth grow. And so it, it's, but it's not super easy and straightforward to just always find that client that wants the the accounting services, the CFO, the bookkeeping, the tax, the tax planning, you know, all of that. So th- this, this potential client did, they wanted everything that we are super passionate about wanting to give. And the alignment there was, I mean, it was just effortless. It was just like the easiest thing and it felt so good. And the, their budget and the fee that we, you know, came up with for it were perfectly aligned as well in a way that is a very, you know, it's a good game changer for, for my business. It it opens a lot more doors and allows there to be a lot less pressure and a lot more freedom of, you know, what we want to do with our book of business. And it's just interesting that they happen to be in the very niche that, we had been putting so much work into manifesting. It just didn't happen on the day that I wrote on my website that, you know, online coaches, it did, you know, but it, but it's, but it did happen. Yeah. It does come around when we point our focus in a certain direction. Okay. So before we head in the direction of wrapping up just a couple more pieces. So compared to where you were about six months ago, What's your level of confidence now that you're on the path you want to be on when it comes to having the business that you want and having the personal life and time that you want? I guess I just feel this freedom of like, if baby number two comes and this isn't what I want to be doing, I can shut it all down because I've already gone down, gone down that path and and seen what it, it would be like and what steps I'd need to take. And I know what I could do. If I go down the path and I realize 
I don't want employees anymore. I want five clients. I want to make this much money a year and that's it. I know that I can do that and that I'm not hurting anybody and nobody would be shocked. And that if that's what's best for me, I can do that. I know, you know, that my husband knows what's going on with my business more and I don't have to feel so alone with making big decisions. Even if he doesn't join my team, I can still use him as a support now to help me when, you know, I'm writing a proposal or I'm trying to decide if we should increase a price for a client or, or something like that. Or, you know, if I want to really just like ramp things up and I, I want to keep my book of business with this new large client and hire another, like, I know, I know that I can do all of the things now because I've practiced thinking through what all of those different things would look like. I don't feel trapped. I feel very free that I can do whatever I want. (laughs) I love that. I don't feel trapped anymore. And now I feel free that I can do whatever I want because I've explored the paths and I know what's down them and I know how I would implement them if I decided to change my mind and pursue a different path. And that you're allowed to change your mind. Like it's a, you know, because that's like a novel idea as well. Like it's okay to change your mind. (laughs) Oh, were you worried that it might not be okay to change your mind? Yeah, I think we all think that of like, well, like one thing that you helped me with was I, I signed on a construction client, which I don't even do. Like we don't even have construction clients, but it was another client's good friend. And I felt bad saying no. And it was, we would be able to have a pretty nice fee each month. And, and so I did it. I said, we, you know, we got the proposal signed and then I panicked and was like, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. I changed my mind. This isn't, we're not the ones who can serve this guy the best. And this is not something I want to be doing. And you were like, just tell him never mind and give him give him a refund and move on. And it was like, wait, you can change your mind. Like, cause in the past I would think that I'm stuck with this client for life now. And because the client, you know, defines my life, not me, you know? Yeah. I think that it seems silly to have to say that we're allowed to change our minds, but honestly, that was not obvious to me at all <laughs> before working with you. Oh, so good. You can so change your mind. Yeah, you find out new information and you're like, oh, turns out this isn't actually what I wanted. And it's okay. And you don't have to do, like, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. You can just do it in a nice way that is also like respectful. The client was so cool with it. He didn't mind at all. (laughs) So good, right? I got him some great referrals and he was taken care of and it was totally fine. That's so good. Capable people are fully capable of helping themselves sort things out, especially you give them a few tidbits and off they go. It's so easy to like decide in advance that, you know, we have to hold on to them in perpetuity, whether or not it works for them or us. That's so good. This has been so helpful. If people want to find out more about you or connect up with you, what are some ways they can do that? I am on tax Twitter, uh, conscious CPA, and then We have a website, conscious-accounting.com, and we're on Instagram. We we tend to be a little bit active. We're we're kind of a younger firm, so we we use Instagram a bit. Um, So at Conscious Accounting is is where we're at on Instagram. From feeling trapped to feeling free, knowing that you can handle what's down any path that you decide. Rebecca Driscoll, thank you so much for coming on the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. Yes, I couldn't have gotten here without you. So thank you for guiding me on my journey. It's been a pleasure working with you. And 
I admire your courage and your willingness to go exploring when neither of us knew what we were going to find. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Registration is open now, but it won't be for long. Go to GeraldineCarter.com now to enroll today.